person he is. And there's a song of third day that says, These thousand hills, footprints of a mighty God. And then my wife asked me, Why are you crying? Because <laughs> I'm so overwhelmed by his presence. You know, it's, we're not dealing with a Mickey Mouse God. We're dealing with some, it's not an intellectual thing. I want you to understand, the Lord is real. We can be philosophical about God. We can say it's a lifestyle. We can say it's a nice thing to do on Sundays. But Jesus is real. Uncle Angus says he's more real to him than the people that sit in front of him. And I want, and this is something where we need to go as, as, as a congregation, as a people, as individuals, where Jesus becomes real. Not just some nice teaching, some nice book, but a person. A person that's involved in your life, that knows you, that knows the amount of hair on your head, that knows your worries and your concerns, your pains, your hopes, your, your aspirations, your disappointments, your faults, your flaws, your sins, your successes. He knows them and his arms are wide open saying, I love you. I love you. As a parent, I even battled to do that. You see, to have depth of character regarding this, and this is where we're going to go this morning, what Jesus, and I want to title this message, Jesus talks about you behind your back. Do you know what he says about you? Do you know what he says about you behind your back? So I googled talking behind your back. 99% of it is negative. It's all gossipy and, 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 and. So I was looking for something positive. Couldn't find it. Except true friends tell you bad things to your face and speak good about you behind your back. That's not permission to come and tune me, okay? <laughs> Let's open our Bibles in Matthew 11, verse 7. So I want to just give you a little intro of where what's happening here so you can understand the, the, the situation because this is very important. John the Baptist is in prison. He has just sent these disciples to Jesus saying, go ask Jesus because John is doubting if he is the Messiah. Jesus answers him with the criteria of the Messiah, the blind see, the deaf hear, the mute talk. So his disciples turn around and they leave. Now Jesus didn't speak to them exclusively. There was a multitude of people present. And now John's disciples, John's buddies, the people that will tell John what Jesus says about him behind his back has left. So there's no one to report back to John anymore. And now Jesus talks to the multitude. Can you see the scenario? So we had a bride, and you leave, and your buddy remains. But after a while, your buddy also leaves. And now the host talks about you behind your back to everybody else at the bride or the country club. Uh, Facebook says that the most people, the place where the most people in this town go-to is bargain wholesalers. 
Okay, if you didn't know that, on Facebook stats, most of you and the people on the South Coast hang out at bargain wholesalers. Okay, so now they're talking about you at bargain. <laughs> and this is what Jesus says. This is what Jesus says. As they departed, this is John's disciples, Jesus began to speak to say to the multitudes concerning John. He's talking about John behind his back. What did you go out to see in the wilderness? He's saying, all of you went there. All of you went to bargain. What did you go and see? All of you went out to the wilderness when John was dressed in camel hair and eating wild honey and locusts. What did you go out to see? A reed shaken by the wind. Now, I want you to understand. Get the picture. There was water there because he baptized. Okay. So in the river, how many reeds are there? Lots and lots of reeds. It's a common thing. Did you go out there to see a common, hollow, shallow person? Did you go out there to see that? Or was there something profound that you went to see? John the Baptist. A man clothed in soft garments. Did you go see somebody that's fancy, rich, wealthy, influential? Or a man dressed like a wild man, a caveman? What did you go out to see? Can you see what Jesus is doing? He's talking about him behind his back. All right? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. Wealthy people don't live in the felt, okay? All the influential people of the world, they don't live out in the somewhere. They live in a nice place. The rich and the famous, the influential people, society, the world will never, ever, ever go and consult a guy living by the river in a shack. Go ask him for advice. See, John wasn't influenced by this world. He was in this world, but not of this world. John's measures of success wasn't money. John's measurement of success wasn't whether you drive a 4x4. In business today, if you pitch with a small car, you can already know people are not going to do business with you. Because what did they see? This guy's not successful. What does he know? That's literally what the world do. They look and see what car, your car you pitch with. Oh, look at this car. Yeah, this guy must, he must have something. He must know something. So what do you do for a living? Isn't that a common question? And where you stay? What are they doing? They're assessing. They're wanting to plot you. Place where are you in the hierarchy of this world system, whether I can listen to you, whether you have got an opinion, or whether you carry any authority, are you an educated man? John the Baptist was living in the, out there, in the sticks, eating wild honey, not clothed in this world system, not rated. Listen to what Jesus says about him. But what did you go out to see? 
a prophet? Did you go out there running after prophet so-and-so? I only listen to this podcast, and I, have you listened to this prophet and prophet so-and-so, self-proclaimed prophet, says this and that, and this guy does this, and that guy does that. Did you go out there? Jesus says, you're not going to find that there, are you? Because they're all up in fancy places. And today they wear, they go on TV and say, I'm wearing 250,000 rand. Like that, like that must impress me. Like that must speak to my spirit. Like that is the key. Money is the key to who I am and my salvation and what the Lord says about me. No, no, no. Jesus says, what did you go out to see? You didn't go and see that. You saw a prophet. And then he says, I tell you this. Listen to this, Reuben. Listen to what he says. I say to you more than a prophet. You see, a prophet is appointed by God. So Jesus saying, John was appointed by me. Because Jesus is God, if you didn't know that. Okay. By me. And then he says, listen to what he says. For this is of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Surely I say to you amongst those born of women, there is not one risen greater than John the Baptist because all the prophecies. You see, John wasn't just a prophet. He was the subject of prophecy. He was prophesied about. Behold the messenger. He's more than just a prophet. He's the fulfillment of a prophecy. What did you go out to see? You see, so easily the multitudes stand and they look at John. And John sent his disciples. I want you to follow where I'm going. Because Jesus says John is this prophecy. And he is a prophet. And there's none greater born of woman. Because all the prophecies that has happened has led up to this moment where John is. John doubts. What do the people think? Ah. Something I want to impart this morning. We claim to be forgiven. Don't we? We claim to be forgiven. Then we must forgive others. What are the multitudes doing when they're standing there? They're looking down on John. Oh, dude, John is doubting. He sent his disciples here. Jesus is addressing this. He's making something big out of John. He's not a hollow reed. Taken to and fro. If the wind blows, it bends that way. And if the river comes, it bends that way. No. He says, what did you go out and see? Okay. We claim to have peace with God. Hello? Do we, we claim to have peace with God. Then we need to be at peace with others. Amen. The multitudes are standing and they are condemning John. They're looking down on John. Jesus is standing up, talking behind his back. So I want you to understand. Who John is. You see, 
Do you know whether God will elevate you today or tomorrow or next week? You don't know. You don't know what God's got in, future, in store for your future. Whether tomorrow morning you wake up and there's such an anointing on you, God speaks to you and suddenly things change. Just like that. Now John was that. And the multitudes are talking about, we cannot be like the multitudes. We cannot be like reeds stacked together in this swamp that is shallow and hollow. Talking about other people. Not having mercy on other people. Not being at peace. We claim to love Jesus. Who loves Jesus? Oh, fantastic. I've got a lot of hands. Praise the Lord. We claim to love Jesus. Then we must love the people he died for. Now, how does that person look? I want you to look at the person next to you. Please look at the person next to you. That's not how the people look that Jesus died for. Okay? It's not. The people that Jesus died for don't look the way we want them to look. Those are the ones with the tattoos and the earrings and the implants. <laughs> Those are the ones that talk in a different way, have got mannerisms. They might even be from a different skin color. They might be your enemy. The person that has been stabbing you in the back at work. The person that has stolen your contract. The person that is bad-mouthing you all over town. Jesus died for those. So do we love Jesus? If we claim that, you and I claim that, then we have to love those whom he died for, the people. Bitterness, unforgiveness, divisiveness, fractions are all indications that we really don't know him, Jesus, and have never really experienced his forgiveness and peace ourselves you see if you know me the way I know me you wouldn't want me human personality works like this Rustin please come help me quickly just stand over there okay look at me now I can see the features of his face and he can see the features of my face. Am I right? Good looking man, eh? Very good looking man. So now I come closer to him. Now I can see some of the ploikis. Am I right? I can see it in his... I can see the gray in his hair. I can't smell the coffee yet in his breath. <laughs> I go closer. Now... He can see the blackheads on my head, on my nose. He can see them. He can see the small chip in my tooth. 
he can see the gray hair I've got. Maybe some one of the hairs that grow out of my ears I have I've waxed every now and then. Yeah, please. <laughs> Otherwise, I look like Asterix, you know, with all these. You know? And when we ride up close in person like this, he can smell my breath, and I can smell his breath, and suddenly we're a little bit uncomfortable. Too close. No, it's, 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 too close. Now I can feel his hand. Hello, Lee. <laughs> can you see immediately as uncomfortable as that happens? Thank you, Rusty. Human personality. The closer we get to a person, the more obvious their flaws are. You see, when you meet a girl, she's the best thing since baked bread and sliced bread in plastic bags. And then you marry her five years down the line, and now you have to choose to love her <laughs> or him. You have to make that decision again every morning. Am I right? Especially when she lies in bed and says, morning. <laughs> and the dragon breath, it looks like a cartoon, just like green. And then your green comes out, good morning. And a child's like, do you want some coffee? And that green mixes up and then you're like, oh, yes, I love this woman. <laughs> <laughs> Human personality. The closer we get to one another, the more flawed we are. We see the blemishes. We see that. Divine personality. The closer I get to Jesus, the more perfect he is. The closer I move to him, I see there's no flaws. There's no, he is completely perfect in everything he does and says. Amen. So when he's talking about John behind his back, what is he doing? He says, I want you to know that I've been so close to John. Yes, he can doubt because he's human. Yes, you can make mistakes because you are human. Yes, I make mistakes because I am human. And the closer you're going to come to me, the more of my flaws you're going to see. And the closer I'm going to come to you, the, more, the closer to your neighbor and the colleague that works with you, the more of his flaws. Jesus talks up about John. Jesus talks about you behind your back. What do you do behind other people's backs? You see, the closer I come to Jesus, the more I become like him. Now I start speaking good about people behind their backs. I start saying the good things about them. Because this is what Jesus says about you behind your back. That you are commissioned. Do you know that? That you are commissioned. God has commissioned you. He's spoken you into existence for a time like this. That needs to just put your shoulders back and your chest up and your head up and you need to say, wow. You're not an accident. You are here with a purpose. 
There's worthiness and dignity inside of you. I don't care about your past, nor does Jesus. He will take your mourning and turn it into dancing. He will take your ashes, the bridges that you've burned, the dreams that you've destroyed, and He will turn it into beauty. You are commissioned for a time like this. Not by man. Not because mom and dad decided one day it's a good idea to extend our families. Nine months later they realized it wasn't a good idea. <laughs> Especially if the baby screams from Hibadin or from Toti to home. Like a faller that's cable is broken. The carburetor is going. Aah! You know when that first nappy, can I tell you about the first nappy experience? I want to tell you about the first nappy experience. So Reuben is born, and like I am, do the right thing the wrong way, as per normal. The nurse comes and says, let's go bath him. I said, let's go. And she wants to take him. I said, what are you doing? It's my child. I will bath him. Thank you very much. So we go to the bathroom, and I said, what must I do? So I hold this baby, and I'm washing this baby. You know, you're still awkward. You don't know how to do this. This thing is going to break. Man, the arm's going to fall off or something. You know? Sit him down, put him in his cot. You're not allowed to carry the baby in the hospital. That's a good thing. So I push him to, back to, and probably half an hour later, it's time to do the first nappy. Now, I don't know how many people have done the first nappy, but this is my first first nappy. And I open up and it's black. I'm going to call the doctor. There's something wrong. It's black. It's pitch black. And, I'm, and this kid is dropping and going. <laughs> and it's getting everything. And I'm just wet wipes. And whoa, whoa, whoa. I look like it's just wet wipes flying this man. When I'm done, I probably used half a pack of wet wipes. It's all over me. <laughs> My father-in-law, my mother-in-law, my sister-in-law, and my wife, all standing there having a big laugh at me. I just look on your elbow and I'm like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and now you have to clean yourself. Now, after that, I learned how to do a nappy. You first take out everything, get it all as rag, grab him by the feet. <laughs> It wasn't such a good idea at that time. You see, you're commissioned by God to be here. And He doesn't regret making you. Somebody needs to hear this in their heart of hearts. God does not regret you. He celebrates you. He's excited about you. He says as much in his word. He says, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. I know what I think about you of good and not of evil. I've blessed you to be a, come on. I've blessed you to be a blessing. I've blessed you to be a blessing. Who are you going to be a blessing to? To this world, to your family, to your parents, to your wife. I want you to know that this is what Jesus says about you. 
you are a forerunner for Christ. You see, in some people's lives, you will be the very first person that brings the light of salvation to them. You will be the very first person. You are an ambassador. You carry a light if you carry Christ in your inside. If you have come to a place where you've surrendered, where you've given up trying to be the bee's knees, when you've given up, when you and I, I'm including myself here, when we give up and saying, I've got the answer. I know how to solve this problem in my own strength. I need nobody's help. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like the world? Yes. He sings it. I did it my way. You have to fix all the notes there for yourself. (laughs) Yet God says, surrender. Know Him in all your ways. Unless God builds the house, you labor in vain. You are a forerunner for Christ. That ought to be something that just blows you up on the inside and fires you up and saying, yes, Lord, show me who do I have to go and give the light? Who do I have to go and share your love with, your gospel with? You see, they might talk bad about you, about you behind your back. You know what Jesus is going to say? Why did you go out and see a reed that bends over for everything? Or somebody in fancy garments, I'm telling you, you've went out to see somebody that's ordained by me. Who are you to bring the gospel to me? People will ask you. They've said that of Angus Bachan, they said it of Billy Graham, and they will say it again, who do you think you are to bring the gospel? Well, it's easy. I'm ordained. I was spoken to existence by my father. I'm not here by flesh. I'm not here. I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. This is what Jesus is speaking about. He has commissioned you and he's given you something to do, a purpose. That purpose goes hand in hand with proximity. Proximity to Christ. You're going to miss your purpose if you are living over here and the God's kingdom is over here. You're going to miss your purpose. Why? Because you're not, then you're in the world and you're not in Him. That proximity is determined by time spent together. Have you seen couples that have been married years and years and years and years? They start looking like each other. They start finishing each other's sentences. Have you seen that? Or the one will say, but you tell this story better. Why don't you tell this story, love? Hmm? And then love would tell the story. And then love would interrupt. No, but you must put that in there, love. You must put it in there. Stop. Put that part in. Yes, yes, yes. Now you're telling it correctly. That's got impetus. Proximity. Time spent together 
invested in one another, knowing one another. We've got an intimate knowledge of who you are, even how you're going to tell the story and what you think and how you think. When I spend time with the Lord and I'm in proximity with Him, guess what happens? When I start speaking and you start speaking, the Holy Spirit says, stop, now put that in there. I want you to put that in there. There's somebody in the audience that says, stop. I need to hear him say, Jesus is Lord. Amen. And then you say it. Jesus is Lord. And there's somebody that's listening to you and say, I need you to stop and say that he's the creator. He's not created. Charlotte Krong. Charlotte Krong. Charlotte Krong. I can't remember. She's, old. She's a short lady like this. She was like really a prophet of the Lord. I went to one of her services. She sits on the chair and she swings her legs like this underneath the chair. And the Lord spoke to her and said, say Mercedes. And she's like, Lord, I can't say Mercedes. The Lord says, say Mercedes. And she's like, ah, I'm not going to say it. After the service, a couple come to her and say, thank you for your obedience. We ask the Lord if we must give you a Mercedes, but you just have to say Mercedes. You see, proximity. And the Lord will drop some weird stuff in your spirit. Just like an old couple. Of what you must do. What you must say. Bajay. Yeah. You had a plan. God spoke to me about you. This morning, God spoke to me about you. He knows you. He knows about you. you know, the Lord is going to take you on a whole different route what you've got planned. <laughs> you've got these plans in your head, what you want to do, where you want to go, and how things might work out, and where money might come from, and where my future lies. And the Lord says, I am going to do a whole complete different thing in your life. You are not going to see it come. Leonard, you are not going to see it come. No. The Lord says it's time to stand up. It's time for you to leave childish things behind. The season is now. God is tender, gentle. He knows your heart. He knows your heart. But he's going to awaken in you a bull that's not going to care about what people think. And your shyness is going to go out the door. Your insecurity is going to go out the door. And you're going to be like a boat with a new engine. You don't know what's happening. But you're going to sing, you sing, and that thing's going to lift up. And you're going to be scared. It's going to fall over. And God says, I'm in control. I'm the power in there. All right. But it's going to take for you to say, yes. Lord, you're going to have to say yes, Lord.
you're going to have to say it. You're going to have to say it. Not with your words, with your actions. Stepping out of the boat completely. Father, we thank you for your presence. Thank you that I can just function from proximity. And we thank you that you bring love. Raja. Not a human kind of love, Lord. Not a human kind of acceptance. Lord, but a love that breaks us. No matter what we think of ourselves. Whatever has been following you, the Lord says, I remove it from you. And I'm placing goodness and mercy behind you. Look at me. The thoughts have been tormenting you. God says, I remove them. He says, You're not a hollow reed. You're not a hollow reed. You're not just a reed there with all the other reeds. You're not. You might think it. And life might have told you, and you might have made mistakes. A mistake after mistake that you even don't know which way to go anymore and how to fix mistakes. Look at me. The Lord says, I'm not done. I am the author. No man, no pastor. He's the author of what he wants done in your life. He says, I'm not done. All your plans, all your schemes, all your ideas. The Lord says, I'm not done. Thank you, Lord. See, John the Baptist, when he was out there, he had one thing in mind. And that's to be obedient to the Lord. Not to run off the money. Not to run after popularity. Didn't dress up. Didn't shave. Had no cologne. Couldn't brush his teeth. Hardly had clothes. All the measurements that the world had in place 
wasn't found in John. But what was found in John was more valuable than what this world can offer. It was the Spirit of God. And then Jesus says, you are greater, the weakest. Read there, read there, read there in the Bible. Read that text. He says, you are greater, the weakest, the least of us are greater than John because John could never enter into the kingdom the way we can by being saved. He couldn't do that because he could, there was no cross for him. He was beheaded before it. You and I have got a cross. If you would close your eyes, if you would bow your head this morning with us, I want to ask you this question. Is your name written in the book of life? If Jesus had to come now, will you remain behind or will you come with us? You see, we're not saved by our good works. We're not saved because we sit in this church. We're not saved because of anything we've done. We are saved by one thing alone. And that's the cross of Jesus Christ. That he died and he paid the price for my and your sin. The Bible says it's my sin that nailed him to the cross. The Bible says that everyone falls short of the glory of God. And the Bible says that all are condemned unless, unless they grab onto, throw their whole life onto Jesus. I didn't come to condemn. I came to save didn't come to judge. I came to save, the Lord says. This morning is your opportunity. It's our opportunity to once again affirm our salvation. And maybe you've never done it. Maybe you've done it with us each Sunday for the last five, six years. It's okay, almost each Sunday for the last six years. It's okay, it's affirmation. It's confirmation. It sounds like this. If you would pray after me, dear Lord Jesus, I broke your moral law and therefore I am deserving of death. I accept that you died on a cross and paid the price for me that I might live. I confess with my mouth and I believe with my heart that Jesus is Lord according to Romans 10. Thank you for saving me right now and writing my name by grace in your book of life. That I might be called from today on, child of God. I want your eyes closed, heads bowed. If you've prayed that prayer or something.
for the first time today, all I want you to do is just look at me. Just look at me. Thank you. Just look at me. Thank you. Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for confirmation. Thank you for affirmation. Because repetition breeds revelation that we are born of God. Thank you, Lord, that this morning in front of me, not a bunch of hollow reeds, Lord, that will go to and fro with every doctrine that's out there. But in front of me sits commissioned and anointed children of God. Would you stand and receive the blessing? If you would open your hands, I want to bless you. I want to bless you. Father, as ambassador of the kingdom of heaven, Lord, I want to come and echo your words this morning and bless your children. I want to bless them to be rooted and planted in the love of God by rivers of green water, that they will bear fruit in season, Lord. I bless them with the proximity of the Holy Spirit, that they might experience your nearness. I bless them, Lord, this morning with the knowledge that they are commissioned and with the courage to live that out in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's go have some coffee.